are listening to Fuel Your Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Owen, and I'm so glad that you showed up for today and you hit play. And I love connecting to my listeners and the women that are kind of on this journey of finding out and discovering who they are, um, you know, navigating their purpose, maybe trying to search for what is even your purpose, and just being relatable and being real and raw and the hard parts to life. So if we are not connected on Facebook, I do want to make sure that we are because I love building a community of women who believe in things like me, think like me, um, and just kind of a running a shit show, right? So um, if you haven't already, jump on over to Instagram and or Facebook. The handles are exactly the same and it's Pieces of Me by Amanda. As I try to show up for you on those platforms in order for you to learn a little of each of those pieces of me with the hopes that I inspire you or, or put something in your life that impacts to know what your journey is or to find that purpose or to live out the best version of yourself. Um, and so I just like to connect. So do that and let me know, like shoot me a DM and say, you know, I'm here, I'm showing up because I heard you, uh, I listened to your podcast. What's the weird thing about building community around a, a podcast um, for for people who have podcast is I'm sitting right now in my office that my husband just built for me and recording and I'm looking at a computer that allows me to see my voice um, audio like little tick marks you know like I don't know I don't know what that's called but I see it on my computer as I record to make sure that you know I can upload that for you to hear it and I have a mic and a headset on and I don't see I have to envision the women in which I'm hoping to inspire and impact, right? I don't hear you. I can't see a a head nod like, yeah, you're speaking into me. That's why I love real live speaking events when I'm speaking more. I get so pumped when I see like women like taking notes and jotting it down or like, yes, like you're talking to me. Like I sometimes look for that validation like, Yep, I hear you. I relate. I get it. And, you know, just kind of like a clap. Like, I love when people like clap and things like that. But in a podcast, I don't get any of that. I don't even know who is listening. I don't, I have to visualize it for, uh, for myself. So it would mean a lot to me if you don't get anything out of this podcast today, this episode, it would mean a lot for me or to me, if you go and shoot me a DM and be like, I do listen. And this is why I listen, or this is what I love about it. Just so I will continue to show up, right? I need to maybe a little bit of a head nod every now and then. So anyways, today's purpose is going to be one that is really going to talk about me being a sibling to a brother with a disability. And so I don't want you to tune out or skip this episode if you're like, oh, this probably is not going to resonate with me because my life hasn't been impacted by those with disabilities. I do think that this episode will still allow you, even if your life is not impacted, to show up for those in your life that have people that are impacting them. I don't know if I just made sense, but 
So maybe you have a best friend that has a son with autism, or maybe you go to church with someone who, um, you know, their niece has cerebral palsy. Like, I don't know, like, in a, we have this six degree separation type of thing. And so you would be surprised to, and I'm even surprised sometimes of the connections that you have indirectly in your life that is connected to someone with a disability. And so I do think that this can resonate for you to kind of have empathy and maybe understand how to show up for them. So as you're drinking with me today, it might be a water, it might be a coffee, it might be a Diet Dr. Pepper. You know, I love me some Diet Dr. Pepper, especially if it's fountain and or on the weekends, you know, I love a great white claw. So black cherry to be exact. So if you're drinking with me while you're listening, grab one of your faves and buckle up Buttercup as we dive into today's purpose. I want to spend a little time talking about the greatest fear that I still have today and also I had it ever since I could remember or understand probably when I was five that my brother had a disability, that he was just a little bit different than I. He learned differently than me. He didn't process things the same way as I did. His needs needed to be attended to in a different way than my needs need to be attended to. I was five when I started to really understand that. And the way that my my parents explained it, and this is going to be a different future episode because in our community of, like I call it the disability community, but in this disability community, there's a lot of, I guess, push or movements to get um, the term special needs um, removed and not to be used. But I'm going to spend, I'm going to write actually a column piece and spend a podcast dedicating to talking about that. But for a little glimpse, my mom explained my brother's disabilities to me for me to to show up differently as a sister, as as special, like his needs are just, you have needs that are special to you, but Nick's needs are special to him. And it requires special attention that sometimes I'm going to have to put my attention to him more so than to you. And it was the word special that allowed me to really grab a hold and realize that I guess this situation's a little bit more unique. And I had to, I had to allow my mom to provide that special treatment to him. And it wasn't, it wasn't different, you know, it wasn't, um, it was how I, it was how I accepted, um, it, it was just how I accepted it as a sibling. And I mean, I, I, I didn't think I was going to kind of get emotional, but I, I want, I want you all that that's going to be a later episode, um, of kind of diving into all of that and how my mom told me and, and what special needs means to me, but what I'm addressing is as soon as I understood when she, was I was five, there was an automatic fear that came over me automatically. And that fear stays within me every day, every month, every, every day of the year, every day of my life. 
it has been there. And if I know other children, all children, all children live with fear. And I couldn't imagine being a children, a child right now living in the fears of, you know, school violence is a real fear, you know, going to school and fearing that, you know, there might be a, a gunman or fearing for your safety. Like typical children, like the typical fears that children have are going to be that or, or another common fear I think children live with is getting lost. You know, well, and you kind of come up, maybe you are a parent and you kind of come up with, you know, that safety plan, so to speak. Like if you get lost at Walmart, <laughs> you know, you go to a worker, you tell them your name, you tell them that you got separated from your mom and this is what you need to do. Like go to the worker. Um, or at least I, you know, I do that for my children getting lost. Another fear is maybe getting hurt. Like I remember, um, I was really good at softball and I played softball and I kind of did have fear and people in my, on my team had fears around if I get hurt, I no longer can play my sport that I love. Like the fear of not being able to do what you love to do of the what if, right? Or the fear of getting kidnapped, kidnapped, you know, like I've, I've heard that more often in, in kids of, you know, staying close or not doing things of just this fear that we place in our kids of, you know, if somebody, (laughs) I say this to my kid and maybe I shouldn't, but I say like, well, somebody took you, they're definitely going to be bringing you back after about five minutes. And, you know, um, so we do kind of put in our kids that fear of being kidnapped of like, stay close to me, hold my hand, always know your environment of the fear of someone's going to pull up and, a white van with no windows, you know, and lure you in with candy. Like that's, that's a real, that was a real thing in my childhood. And honestly, which the scary part is it's a real thing in today's society and people are way more clever of how they're kidnapping. Um, anyways, these are typical fears, right? Typical fears that happen within our children. But I'm here to tell you that there is a fear that is undeniable within f- those children who are siblings to um, a brother or a sister with a significant, maybe it's just an intellectual disability, maybe it's a physical disability, like with more so an intellectual disability. That's kind of where my wheelhouse is. And that fear, it's going to even be hard for me to say it out loud, that fear is what if something was to happen to my parents, what will happen to my brother? Like what will happen to us? Before I turned 18, um, I feared of like, will not, will somebody be able to take me and my brother? Like, who is? And I knew it'd be like my aunt Karen. Like I always kind of knew who in my family would be able to even take care of my brother because not all my family members could take care of Nick. Like could hand like we would always say like to handle him because Nick does have behaviors and Nick does have 
you know, uh, certain ways that he likes to live. And my mom has really, my mom and my dad definitely has focused more on giving him the things that provide him joy and meeting him where he's at. Whereas like some family members and people who don't understand it, look at it as like, he needs some good discipline or he needs, you know, like I, you can't let him get away with that or it's just, they don't understand, like they're not doing it. Right. And so always knew who would be those ones that would be able to balance bringing the joy and honoring his joy and, and, and being able to get through the bad, right? Like, and not every family member could do that. And if they do that, would they, would it be a package deal? Would I be able to stay with my brother? And then knowing that no matter what family member that was, they would have to lean into me because already through school, like there was a point in my life that my brother and I, for a brief, for a small period of time, went to the same school. And when the teachers couldn't, you know, couldn't understand him or, you know, he was acting out or he was upset, guess what they did? They would come get me because I was, I was, this, I knew, I knew tips, I knew tricks, I knew he, you know, whether sometimes he did it to get me, right? Like, and don't get me wrong, I loved getting out of writing English. I hated English. Um, I love getting out of class. But that was only for, I think we were only at the same school maybe for two years, two and a half years. And then he, our, the school, my elementary school could not meet my brother's needs. And so he had to go to a different school. And that stayed true the rest of our, my, my schooling. And so I wasn't getting pulled. But I say that is because siblings do get pulled. And although I don't know that I would want it any other way in the, in the time, it, it, validated my fears, the fear that no one was talking about. And I'm going to cry because not that my parents did anything wrong. They didn't. Um, I'm very grateful for the childhood in which I lived. But no one was talking about this fear that resided in me. And if something was to happen to my mom and dad, everybody would need me to help him, to help my brother, right? There's like a weight, there's a weight that happens and no one was talking about it. Like who was giving me the playbook? Who was going to, was not something we talked about. Because if we talked about it, then no one knew the answers. And so since you don't know the answers, you don't talk about it. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a parent and you have children, some typical, neurotypical and some with special needs, Yes, I said it, special needs. You're going to need to talk to your kids about their fears and help them to guide them. Don't take the weight away. I don't think we're looking for the weight. But that fear haunted me and still haunts me. I now created my own damn playbook. I know, like, I created my entire career. Everything I do, I created my entire career of my life around this fear I don't mean to cry I'm so sorry um it's just like my realization right like um and saying it out loud sometimes it's hard but I created puzzle pieces which is a nonprofit organization to support those with disabilities because if something was to happen to my mom and my dad and I knew I was going to be Nick's caregiver 
I didn't want to stop my life. I, I wanted to be able to know how to work. I wanted to be, I wanted, I wanted a solution for me too, right? And so puzzle pieces became that solution because now I could figure out how to work and Nick would have a place that he'd go to while I worked um, because my parents did make sacrifices to be able to support Nick and his care and not to say that I wasn't willing to make those same sacrifices, but I wanted a different playbook, a playbook that honored me too. And no one knew how to do that for me. So I did it for myself. And I'm so grateful I did. But I'm just asking you to, maybe you don't know the answers or how to solve it for your your, sibling, your children. But don't mean that you don't talk about it and help them. Like navigate it. What's the actions? Me and my mom, or my mom, I always say my mom, and my dad has always been part of the conversation. It's just I'm more, I guess my mom and I are closer with emotions, right? My dad and I have softball. That's that's our jam. But um, I never forget. I think I, I shared this on another podcast. My mom did not share with me until I was maybe. 16, 16, 20, I don't know, somewhere in there. I don't know ages very well. I I know exactly where we were in a car. I know exactly the van we were in. And I know exactly the place and the road in which we were traveling. It's like the most vivid memory I have of my childhood. And it happened later than what it should have. But it was the moment where I, I asked, if something was to happen to you and dad, what Who's going to take care of Nick? And I wasn't part of that conversation. They had the plan. They didn't like the plan. They had the plan. And I just had a bunch of assumptions about it. And anyways, I just, I'm not going to go down that either. But all I just say is open up that door. Talk about the plan or help to cry. Be honest in that there is no plan and help me to make it. What do you want? How do you see it? What would you want the most? What would what skills do you want to learn? Like I, I think even whenever I was in middle school, um, I saw my brother had a lot of medical things too, um, you know, happen. I'll, I'll never forget. He was sucking. Um, it was right after like Halloween and you know, those fun dips that happen, like the powder, the fun dip, but he put a straw in that fun dip. This has nothing to do with his medical scenario, I don't guess. Um, now he's has a ton of medical issues, but he, I remember him sucking that, that powder through the straw and it, and it like, I guess, took his breath or like he turned blue. Like it, it, it I don't know what it did. <laughs> I still don't know what it did. But we had a call. My parents had a call 911. I was, I think, in like maybe a fifth grade, sixth grade. He was blue. My dad had to start CPR on him. Like it was traumatizing. We never talked about it. <laughs> we just talked about calling 911, you know, like and what happened. But um, I remember... I, I wanted to learn first aid CPR, but my parents thought I was too young. Um, but I wanted to learn it because I was so scared I would not be able to give Nick what he needed. And it was going to be left to me. Like, what if my parents weren't there? 
but like they were they were skilled they were getting trainings they were they were asking the questions to the doctors they were ga- gathering knowledge and experience but they always thought I was too young to handle it or that I, I wouldn't need it because they were there. Like, you, I won't ever ask you to do this because I'm here. And I, I found comfort in that. But I also just built my fear of like, oh, shit, if something was to happen to them, I'm going to be expected to know all of this. I'm like the next of kin. I live with him. I know it. You know, I need to know it. <sighs> la, 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 la. So I'm going to try to stop crying and, and stop rambling. But the point of this episode is maybe you're maybe you have a friend or maybe you know a sibling right help them to talk about their fears help them to come up with the action plan just listen maybe maybe they've never had a safe place where someone would understand and we're not looking for you to understand but just maybe a a soft place to land to be able to like kind of dump it out because I know there's no solution so to speak um, so that if you're listening, maybe that could be something that you do. If you're a parent, I already, I think you're probably um, just as emotional as I am right now <laughs> listening to this. Um, maybe now you are going to figure out the courage to have that conversation, to help develop a plan, to get the training, to get the awareness. Um, maybe you're a teacher and you have a student in your class that's a sibling Maybe you reach out in a different way to start that conversation. Maybe connect them to the guidance counselor. Not so much for therapy. I I mean, I wish I had therapy. God, I wish I had therapy when I was younger. Um, But maybe just to kind of start the conversation. We carry this weight that no one sometimes can see. But maybe you're a sibling listening to this right now and you just feel like, ah, spoke straight into your heart because we get it I get it it's a fear we all have it right um it's just what we do with it and I think we just we need to talk about it we need to know a plan we need we need it not to be an emotional like look I'm I'm emotional talking about it because sometimes I don't even talk about it right it becomes less emotional or less hard if we're not emotional when we talk about it, right? I get what I'm trying to say is sometimes my mom and I did not talk about these things because it was too emotional to talk about. But the more we talk about it, the less hard and emotional it becomes, you know, because then we find comfort, we might find clarity, we might find the answers, we might be able to develop the plan and, and then we're able to bl- to breathe. The conversation becomes more natural and less emotional and intense. So I hope that somehow this episode is exactly what you needed to hear today. And hopefully there's more where I can come to be able to pour into you to make your journey a little bit less um, heavy of a weight. So until next time, dream big and do the damn thing. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you share it with someone or share it on social media and tag me? I am so glad we are on this journey together. Let's keep this relationship going because I am here for it. 
Follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Pieces of Me by Amanda and DM me to join one of my private groups where we can dive even deeper into disabilities or finding your passion and purpose. Let's fuel each other.